you see him very regularly on Race Hub on FS1 and, of course, NASCAR on Fox as well. Now, thankfully, once again, we get to hear from him. He's also crew chief with a top five this year, uh, very, technically. Very much so. And he has a son who has done a fantastic in-law, job. Son-in-law. Son-in-law. Well, a son. Brandon and a son spotter, who's a legendary for, spotter. For Ross Chastain. Very much so. And I would imagine the stress for his son, Brandon McReynolds, Maybe a lot calmer now that they are through the first two races of the year at the Tapered Spacers. Larry Mack, back with us once again in the fast lane. Larry, we hope you are well, and hopefully you have been stress-free the last couple of weeks with the start of the NASCAR season. Certainly not as stressed, I would imagine, as your son Brandon, who has been spotting for Ross Chastain, not just doing that, but doing so on two of the more uh, grueling tracks for that, I would imagine, in Daytona and then Atlanta. Well, and, and again, appreciate you guys having me. But think about Brandon at Daytona. He did triple duty. He spotted for Stephen Parsons in the truck race on Friday night. Then, of course, the back-to-back races on Monday, spots for Park Kligerman in the Xfinity Series and then Ross Chastain in the Cup Series. I think he only did double duty at Atlanta, spotted for Parker on Saturday in Xfinity and Ross. So, yeah, I'm I'm sure Brandon is glad that we're going to more of a conventional non-super speedway type of a track this week at, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Curious from your perspective, as an analyst for Fox and, of course, FS1's Race Hub, 6 p.m. weeknights on FS1 when basketball does not move that around, Larry, and that is how is having your son as a spotter helped you as an analyst with a different perspective and, of course, being even more connected into the NASCAR Cup Series and even Xfinity and Truck Series garages? Yeah, there's no question. You, you know, and, and, and Brandon and I work really hard at trying to separate what we do as far as also being a, a dad and a son, but, but there's no question. We do have conversation, and, and I'll pick his brain a little bit about the perspective that he, he saw the race or what he felt, what he, he was seeing. So there's no doubt, especially after the, the two race weekends we're just coming off of, to your point, at Daytona and Talladega, or Daytona and Atlanta, rather, uh, I definitely pick his brain and, and just to kind of get his perspective and then kind of digest that and always uh, – never do I not talk to someone that I don't learn something, and I'm always learning something when I talk to him about coming off spotting for a race. It's awesome to hear that, and just the way that you, over your couple of decades now as an analyst for Fox Sports, have found ways, Larry, to improve your craft and continue bringing us fantastic insight, which you do for races as well as Race Hub on FS1. Um, Looking at these races as well, you have a lot of uh, history within NASCAR. What's your reaction to the reaction that has changed around Atlanta Motor Speedway where there was skepticism and maybe even disdain for the new configuration until we were treated to a gem of a race and an all-time finish with Daniel Suarez claiming that three-way battle at the flag, the checkered flag, Sunday evening. Yeah, I mean, I've got to be brutally honest. Back in 2020, 2021, when I first heard the plan for Atlanta Motor Speedway, I was a little skeptical. I went, so we're going to we're gonna put 28 degrees of banking at a mile-and-a-half racetrack. We're going to narrow the racing grooves up. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. But I've got to say, two-and-a-half years later, five races under our belt, 
Marcus Smith and the group with Speedway Motorsports absolutely knocked it out of the park. You know, Atlanta, the way it had gotten, with the, the way the surface was wore out and all the different options that drivers had, we, we messed around periodically and we had some good finishes. But it had been years since we truly had a good race there. And I'll give you a little short story. When Jeff Gordon joined our broadcast group in 2016 during our winter seminar headed into the season, Mike Joy, Daryl Waltrip, myself, and Jeff were sitting around and talking about the different tracks on our schedule. And we started talking about Atlanta Motor Speedway. And Jeff said, "Gosh, I hope they never repave that place. They don't. They don't need to. They don't need to do anything to that racetrack." And Mike and, and Daryl and I said, "You just wait, buddy." You're talking about it from a driver perspective. Why do you have to get down there and broadcast a 500-mile race? Sure enough, the first time Jeff did a race from the booth at Atlanta Motor Speedway, I think the first commercial break, he he looked at all of us and said, they need to do something with this racetrack. It's like he enjoyed it as a driver, but it just was not putting on good racing. And that's the thing about this race this past Sunday. Yeah, we had an amazing finish. But we had a great race from green flag to checkered flag. We had 48 lead changes among 14 different drivers, and that was on a mile-and-a-half racetrack. Most of the rest of our mile-and-a-half tracks, we'd almost go all year and not have that many lead changes combined. So I think they've knocked it out of the park with what they've done down there. Now that momentum will be tested from Atlanta to Las Vegas this coming weekend as NASCAR gets to the more I'll use air quotes for this conventional portion of the schedule as NASCAR heads to Las Vegas. With that move to Vegas, how much does the field of potential winners, Larry, narrow down from maybe 25 to 30 to maybe closer to 15 to 20 in what's still a parity-based car, but maybe not to the same degree we've seen the first couple weeks? Yeah, I mean, this definitely starts the more meat and potatoes of our schedule. You know, we just came off two super speedway races where it's so unpredictable. And and drivers and teams, yeah, they feel like they control their destiny, but they also know they're at the mercy of other drivers and teams. Maybe a move a driver makes, either a good move or a bad move, that can either really make their day go good or make their day go bad. But at Las Vegas, you feel like you control more of your destiny and then moving on to Phoenix and all the short tracks and road courses after that until we get back to Talladega in April. But I'll say this with now going into our third year with this next gen car, I still, if you told me to name you every driver that possibly could win at Las Vegas this coming weekend, I bet you I could name you probably a dozen and a half. Cause I truly believe that it's not a sales pitch. I still believe this car has become a huge equalizer, and I still believe it allows teams like Front Row Motorsports, who's had a phenomenal start. Michael McDowell has sat on the front row for both races so far. But remember, he won at the Indianapolis road course last year. And I just think the more that teams have gathered information about this car, we still have a lot of drivers that can go out there and win. In the 74 races that we've had the next-gen car. Two full years and now two races this year, including Kevin Harvick and Kurt Busch that's now retired. We've had 25 different winners, 25 different winners. If you, if you divide that up, that's basically a different winner every three races over the course of this next-gen car. 
that's really exciting for NASCAR. And I mean, there are also younger drivers or first or second year drivers in the Cup Series where you would think, Larry, there's a legitimate chance that number even grows over the next few weeks of the season. Well, I think about Ty Gibbs. That young man is going to win a race. And, and then I look at some of the other young drivers that's coming in. They may not be necessarily knocking on the door just yet, but I'm going to tell you what, Corey LaJoy in that seven car, especially when we go to any of the super speedway type races, I think that Spire car, that number seven car could win. Uh, I look at some of the things that's going on over there with Legacy Motor Club and them making the move to Toyota. I think John Hunter Nemechek could become a winner in the Cup Series eventually. So, yeah, it's a short list right now, but there that 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 number could certainly grow. But I probably the one I put up there the the highest on the list of potential getting that first win would be the young man in that fifty four car, Ty Gibbs. Larry Mack, you just made Ed's ego like twenty times bigger than it needs to be right now. So with uh, saying Ty Gibbs, because he picks Ty Gibbs every week on this show, so I, <laughs> I, so. Uh, that, that'll be fun as uh, we get into the rest of our votes of confidence on Friday. But uh, as we're with uh, America's crew chief, Larry McReynolds, here in the fast lane. Um, Larry, I, I wanted to ask, and you've probably been asked about this tons of times with this next-gen car and you know the box being so small that you now are seeing gloves get modified to find, you know, and to get like, you know, the extra 10th during qualifying. If you were a crew chief during this time compared to, you know, when you were with, with Dale Earnhardt and, and Davey Allison, like, would you be frustrated with the kind of limited, I don't want to say gray area, but uh, tools that in your toolbox uh, necessarily to find that extra speed compared to the rest? It, it definitely would be a little bit frustrating because if I did the things today, that we attempted to do, maybe even got by with my 18 years as a crew chief, if we attempted any of those things today with the fines and the penalties that's being handed out, one, I'd probably never be at the racetrack because I'd be on permanent suspension. And because of all the fines, I'd probably be eaten out of a trash can because I couldn't afford to buy any food. But, yeah, it, it but it's just the time we live in. And that's one good thing about Jordan Anderson, my son-in-law, asking me to come do a few races with him when he runs that 32 car at Daytona and at Talladega, is is it helps me learn. You know, I see the things that's going on with inspection right now. It makes me understand more because until until I went to Talladega a couple of years ago and did that three car for Richard Childress racing with Jeffrey Earnhardt, I was really puzzled. How in the world the teams fail inspection two times and three times and four times? Now, after doing a few races, even though it's in the Xfinity Series, I totally get it. I totally understand. You're trying to get every advantage you can, and there's no more big slices of bread. It's little crumbs, and you just hope you find enough little crumbs that all of a sudden you got a pretty good-sized piece of bread and you've gained an advantage. But, yeah, it's uh, – where if my toolbox maybe had 300 tools in it when I was a crew chief, you still got a toolbox, but you're probably down to about 50 or 75 tools to work with today. And speaking of, uh, you know, the creative cheating, we've seen a couple uh, this week with, you know, Joey Logano, uh, Stuart Haas getting caught with uh, the, the roof bar modifications. Um, obviously, it still probably goes on to some degree, but 
you, you now gain that experience kind of in the Xfinity Series, and that's what I wanted to ask about uh, working with your son-in-law, Jordan Anderson. How has that, that been? Obviously, his team is kind of grown leaps and bounds in, in its its young year. You have sort of local for us, South Boston uh, na- native Jeb Burton. He obviously is driving for him. Um, you kind of seen that team's growth in the Xfinity Series. How, how, how awesome has it been to kind of work with him as he's developed this team to where it is today? Yeah, again, I was very flattered last August when Jordan asked me to, to go down with him to, to crew chief and call the shots on the third entry that he was going to run. Of course, did the same thing a couple of weeks ago, even though, unfortunately, I was not able to be there on race day because I had to come back when it got rained out until Monday because I had to be in the studio on Sunday or Monday with the Daytona 500. But it, it's, it, to me, there's it's, it's several pluses for me. One, just being asked to do that because I, I've told many people, I think the days of me going back and actually becoming a crew chief that ship has probably sailed. But I feel like today, of all the things I've learned over the last 24 years as an analyst, a crew chief analyst, I think I can go back and call a race from a strategy standpoint better today than I could in my final years as a crew chief. But again, just getting in that garage, even though it's the Xfinity Series, it gives me those experiences. It, you know, it helps me enrich my knowledge that hopefully helps me be a better analyst uh, on race day, but to watch what Jordan Anderson and John Bomarito, what they've accomplished in such a short time, uh, to win that race last year with Jeb Burton at Talladega, Parker Retzloff, the young driver that drives the, the, the 31 car, has started the season off with back-to-back top five finishes, headed out to Las Vegas, so pretty impressive what, uh, what they've accomplished in a, in a very short period of time. And going up against the likes of Joe Gibbs Racing and Richard Childress Racing and Junior Motorsports, um, I mean, he's they grow it. They invest everything back in it, but they've still got a long way to go when it comes to keeping up with the Joneses, but I think they're doing a pretty good job of it. Last question for Larry McReynolds, NASCAR on Fox Analyst. He's at LarryMac28 on Twitter and Instagram. He's also on Race Hub, many evenings, 6 p.m. on FS1. Larry, uh, that is, as NASCAR heads to Vegas, you mentioned there's still, you know, a dozen and a half drivers that could potentially win. Are you looking to Chevy to continue their momentum from the first two races, or would Ford and Toyota happen to have unlocked something that many people think they have with the new body designs as they get put to the test for the first time on a non-spacer track? Well, I, I go back to what our conversation just a few minutes ago. Now that we're headed to more conventional tracks, that we're headed to the mile and a half at Las Vegas, we're headed to the <clears throat> one-mile track at Phoenix, then we hit up to all these short tracks, now we start to get the measuring stick for teams, for organizations, and for manufacturers. You know, Chevrolet is the only manufacturer that had no body change whatsoever for 2024. And I'm sure even the the Toyota people and the Ford people are anxious to get to these more conventional racetracks to see the on-track gains that they've hopefully made with the new Ford Dark Horse Mustang and the new Toyota Camry. Uh, give us about a month of racing now at conventional tracks, and it, the picture becomes much clearer 
who's got work to do, who's in pretty good shape, and who's really in bad shape and got a whole lot of work to do. We look forward to this month unfolding, those races on Fox and the coverage on FS1, including Race Hub, Larry McReynolds, a regular part of that, 6 p.m. weeknights. Uh, And, of course, basketball does move that around a little bit, but uh, it's always great to get the insight there, to get it from Larry McReynolds of NASCAR on Fox here in the Fast Lane. And, Larry, we thank you for your time, and we'll be following you as well at LarryMac28 on Twitter and Instagram to keep up with more of your work. You got it. We're going to look forward to it. Uh, looking forward to, to, to Vegas this weekend, Phoenix, a couple of back-to-back races on the West Coast, and then we're going to do a bunch of short track racing with a little bit of road course racing out there in Austin, Texas, thrown in the middle. It'll be a lot of fun. Larry McReynolds, NASCAR on Fox, and again, great insight at Larry Mack 28, which uh, is another great way to keep up with him. We appreciate his time. Glad to hear the family's doing great as well when it comes to all the racing that's done within the NASCAR circuit. When we return, we pivot from that to a lot of ins popping up in high school sports season for winter teams. A lot of them have had great runs, but they've come to a close. We'll put a bow on a lot of that. Not all of it, but a lot of that next here in the Fast Lane with Ben Cates of NewsAdvance.com.